Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Expanding operation. Good morning. I'm Mike Gavin in for Gordon Deal along with Nicole Murray. It's Wednesday, December 27th, 2023, and here's what we have for you this hour. Israeli forces are expanding their ground offensive into central Gaza, while U.S. officials urge a transition to a different phase of war. Blizzard conditions create treacherous travel across the central U.S. Meanwhile, it was the warmest Christmas in 100 years in the Twin Cities. A migrant caravan continues to move across Mexico while U.S. officials press for more action from the country's president. And if you get bumped from your flight this week, make sure you get paid. So you probably shouldn't take the first offer that comes out. Usually the airlines will start very low. So $200, a few hundred dollars just to see if anybody accepts it. Then they'll raise it. At that point, you might want to start considering it or at least go over and talk to the gate agent. Allison Poley of the Wall Street Journal on how to squeeze the best deal out of airlines later in the hour. Israeli forces yesterday expanded their ground offensive into urban refugee camps in central Gaza after bombarding the crowded Palestinian communities and ordering residents to evacuate. The military's announcement of the new battle zone threatens further destruction in a war that Israel says will last for many months as it vows to crush the ruling Hamas militant group after its October 7th attack. Israeli forces have been engaged in heavy urban fighting in northern Gaza and the southern city of Han Yunus, driving Palestinians into ever smaller areas in search of refuge. IDF spokesman Jonathan Conrickis says the focus is still on finding hostages. We have already launched several attempts, operations on the ground and underground in order to rescue hostages, so far with very limited success, sadly, but that does not weaken our resolve. The U.S. said Israel's Minister for Strategic Affairs was meeting with Secretary of State Antony Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan to discuss topics including transitioning to a different phase of the war to maximize focus on high-value Hamas targets, improving the humanitarian situation, and planning for governance and security in Gaza after the war. Thousands of migrants in a caravan continue to trudge through southern Mexico this week, with some saying they expect nothing good to come from an upcoming meeting between American and Mexican officials about the migrant surge at the U.S. border. The migrants passed by Mexico's main inland immigration inspection point, and National Guard officers there made no attempt to stop the estimated 6,000 members of the caravan. U.S. officials are expected to press Mexico to stop more migrants at a meeting scheduled for today. Mexico's president confirmed last week that U.S. officials want Mexico to do more to block migrants at its southern border with Guatemala or make it more difficult to move across Mexico by train or in trucks or buses, a policy known as contention. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and White House Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall will travel to Mexico City for the talks. Florida Republican Congressman Carlos Jimenez on Fox said he has doubts. I have zero confidence in anything that uh, Blinken does. Everything that he he negotiates is actually not in the best interest of the United States. It's uh, counter to what uh, really is needed in the United States. This month, as many as 10,000 migrants were arrested daily at the southwest U.S. border. Well, we know that President Biden has been willing to wheel and deal with some of America's adversaries, including nuclear talks with Iran, an immigration agreement with Venezuela, and prisoner swaps with Venezuela and Russia's Vladimir Putin. So it comes as a head-scratcher to some Republicans on Capitol Hill that the president has been reluctant to negotiate with them. More now from Jeff Mordock, White House reporter for The Washington Times. Jeff, what would you find? 
Well, this is really interesting because you look at the deals uh, President Biden has made since he's taken office. And even this week, he has agreed to a deal with Venezuela's um, Nicolas Maduro, the president over there, who Biden has labeled a strongman, an authoritarian, and even a dictator. Um, Biden's opinion of Maduro is so low that he's running ads in Florida comparing former President Trump to Maduro, yet he wheeled and dealed with him this week to uh, send Venezuela a gentleman who's facing some serious uh, federal charges um, here in the United States for several Americans who have been wrongfully detained in Venezuela. And it's really interesting that that's just the latest in a series of deals he's willing to make with U.S. adversaries. But when it comes to Republicans trying to earn certain concessions from him on different policies, he won't pick up the phone and talk to him. So why do critics say this is happening? Is it a negotiating tactic of some kind? Well, what, well, what the White House says is more interesting. Is that The White House is saying that pure politics, that these, this, this Republican, these are not people that they can negotiate with. And when they make these deals with these dictators... They are bringing things home to the American people. For example, Vladimir Putin. Nobody's been more demonized, and rightfully so, by President Biden than Vladimir Putin. Yet, uh, you know, President Biden was willing to deal with him and reach some some kind of agreement to bring home Brittany Griner. Um, you know, he's always you know this is the latest in a series of deals with Maduro to uh, you know for oil concessions for bring home Americans to try to get democratic reforms. And it's just it's it's interesting that they feel that the Republican Party is that intractable that they can't reach a deal with that. Speaker Mike Johnson complained that it's Biden's lieutenants that are handling negotiations when they do happen. I mean, in general, the president doesn't seem to have much contact at all with the conservatives who control the House. Right. Right. And that's been a big criticism that they have wanted him to get involved, get more directly involved. And it's somewhat surprising because when he when. President Biden was Senator Biden for nearly four decades. His reputation was a deal maker. He was willing to wheel and deal with anybody. He was always willing to give a little bit up, to get a little bit in deals. He was known for, you know, sitting down with Republicans, going out to lunch with Republicans, riding the train with Republicans, whatever he needed to do to get a deal done with Republicans. And I think what happened, well, what happened is early in his uh, presidency, you know, he tried to make some deals. They didn't go through. And I think he, re- like, uh, for an example, on police reform, um, that was something that he tried to push, trying to overturn the, the um, trying to change the Senate filibuster. That was another thing where he tried to deal, and it didn't go through. And I think he realized he wasn't getting the success he wanted and decided to abandon that practice and take a much harder line. Back in 2022, he said himself that, you know, the American people don't want a senator president because senators are known for making deals. And his point was they don't want a president who's willing to compromise and make deals, that they sent him to Washington to achieve certain goals, and he was going to stick by that. Right. So Republicans, I guess, would broadly say that the the bipartisan dealmaker you mentioned that was pitched to America during his campaign uh, never really made it to the White House. That's exactly what they're saying. And they're saying that, you know, Marsha Blackburn told us that it's she called it unseemly that he's willing to that he's unwilling to negotiate with Republicans. But he is very open to making deals with people who are sworn enemies of the United States. I mean, he had uh, Chinese dictator Xi uh, here in, in the United States, and he made a couple of deals with them on AI and nuclear weapons and getting the military to talk. And it seems like that's where he's directing his um, 
his energy to compromise and strike deals. So first up in the new year will be funding for Ukraine, which has been tied to border security by Republicans. Is he going to have to get more involved to get that over the finish line? He absolutely is. And he 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 they keep insi- the White House insists that uh, his staff is handling. But I don't see how he can. I don't see how he can do this without uh, reaching out. One of the things that's kind of interesting is he has not brought new speaker Mike Johnson to the White House yet for an Oval Office sit down. That's usually tradition, even if the speaker's with another party, that the president, whenever there's a new speaker, will invite them to come in, sit down with them at the Oval Office, maybe try and hash out some differences. Um, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, was asked at, the, our, at our daily press briefing if Biden had any plans to bring Mike Johnson to the Oval Office, and uh, she, wouldn't, she, she said she had nothing to read out. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Mordock, White House reporter for The Washington Times. Coming up next, some tough post-holiday travel across the Central Plains. Hey, it's Gordon Deal, your go-to HelloFresh holiday buddy. Let me tell you, these HelloFresh guys are my secret weapon for a chill holiday. Picture this, skipping those crazy grocery store lines and dodging expensive takeout. Each HelloFresh box is a treasure trove of time and savings, even for a lame in the kitchen like me. It's hassle-free with no waste, no stress. The ingredients are perfectly portioned, so I'm not blowing cash or buying too much. Honestly, it's been a game-changer in these hectic times. With HelloFresh, I'm cutting costs and still savoring amazing home-cooked meals. It's like my holiday magic in a box. Discover the HelloFresh magic yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash GordonFree and use code GordonFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash GordonFree with code GordonFree. Delight in the tastes of the season from America's number one meal kit at HelloFresh. HelloFresh.com slash GordonFree. Gordon Deal's off. I'm Mike Gavin. Thanks for spending your post-holiday week with us. Nearly a million people across the northern and central plains were under blizzard or ice storm warnings as heavy snow, freezing rain, and powerful winds created treacherous road conditions that forecasters said could last through early today. More now from this morning's Jennifer Kashinka. The National Weather Service says a blizzard warning affecting more than 550,000 people in parts of five states, including Colorado, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Wyoming, would be in effect until early this morning in parts of the region where areas could receive as much as six inches of snow and wind gusts of up to 60 miles per hour. The low visibility levels shut down a huge swath of highway in western Nebraska. As of last night, westbound Interstate 80 and Highway 30 were closed from Lexington in the middle of the state to the Colorado and Wyoming state lines, a stretch of more than 200 miles. In addition, the eastbound travel on the highways were closed from Wyoming to North Platte, about 179 miles. Mike? Thanks, Jen. Meanwhile, several areas of Minnesota broke centuries-old temperature records for Christmas Day, according to a social media post by the National National Weather Service's Twin Cities forecast office, the city of St. Cloud experienced a record high temperature of 48 degrees, beating the record of 47 set in 1922. Here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israeli forces say its war on Gaza will not end until Hamas it has been defeated. Despite the global pressure for a ceasefire, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says fighting will occur for however long it takes. Tel Aviv resident Alik Harpaz told ABC the Israeli government is taking too long to reach a truce. Just admit that you failed and do the, the deal and bring them back. 
And you know, and after that, you need to start a long-term negotiation for peace, two state, one state. I don't, you know, I don't care. Gaza health officials say 20,000 people have been killed since the Israel and Hamas war began on October 7th. Number two. The largest caravan in more than a year has departed from Central America and is headed for the U.S. border. The caravan, estimated at around 6,000 people, mainly consists of families with young children. This news comes as President Joe Biden's administration presses Mexico President Andres Obrador to impose tighter limits on migrants surging to America. New Jersey Republican Congressman Jeff Van Drew on Fox. A few more months since Biden has been president, the number of illegal immigrants into this country will be pretty much the equivalent of a high population state like New Jersey or the city of New York. American and Mexican officials are expected to meet today to discuss the matter. Number three. Officials are investigating threats on Colorado Supreme Court justices after they disqualified former President Donald Trump from the 2024 primary election. Online posts threatening violence toward the justices spread rapidly in the 24 hours after the decision was announced. Law enforcement has increased patrols near the justices' homes. A lucky NFL fan clearly was on Santa's nice list. A football fan won nearly half a million dollars after perfectly predicting a 14-pick parlay of players who scored a touchdown in Week 16 with just a $5 bet. The fan posted a video clearly celebrating his Christmas miracle. Normally I'd say, obviously, you're crazy for trying to pick 14, uh, doing a 14-pick parlay. But five bucks? I mean, why not, right? Shoot your shot. Definitely did eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had some good players in there, so he knew at least a tiny, tiny little bit of what he was uh, what he was talking about. But yeah, why not? Five bucks. It's Christmas. Let's uh, let's have at it. Wonder what he's gonna spend it on. Half uh, a million bucks. What hope, would you do? Yeah, hopefully not picking another fourteen pick parlay. Hopefully not rolling it over. <laughs> Five bucks. I think he could roll it over. <laughs> Thanks very much, Nicole. Coming up next, why Netflix is worried about your kids' YouTube obsession. Well, you may be paying $50, $75, or $100 a month or more for streaming services, but ask any kid of a certain age what they want to watch, and the answer inevitably comes up YouTube. And that poses a big problem for paid streamers paid streamers like Netflix. More now from Jessica Tunkel, Deputy Media Editor at The Wall Street Journal. Jessica, what would you find when you looked into this? So it's interesting. I mean, what we've started to see is that streamers are learning losing market share of 2- to 11-year-olds to YouTube. So, for instance, for instance, Netflix's share of U.S. streaming viewership by 2- to 11-year-olds fell to 21% in September. That's down from 25% two years earlier, where YouTube's share has jumped to 30% from about 29.4% two years earlier. So you're really starting to see the shift in kids' viewership. I know that's the case in my house, but YouTube's on 24-7 in my house with my young kids. Why do kids prefer YouTube over the paid streaming services? So I think it's a few things. I think one is just the nature of YouTube, as you've probably seen with your own kids. They'll watch something that they like, and the way that YouTube's algorithm works, it's like right away they'll YouTube will show you something else that you want to watch. And so it's these short snippets of content, you know, it can be anywhere from five to, in some cases, 20 minutes. And it just keeps feeding you that content. So they can just keep watching. And it's a huge array of content, right? It can be from kids playing video games to animated cartoons to a science experiment. So there's a lot of different kinds of content to watch. So this is obviously alarming to the streaming services like Netflix. How are they trying to adapt to this? 
So what, you know, Netflix has known the power of YouTube for some time. As you probably know, since you have kids, one of Netflix's most popular kids shows is Coco Melon, which originated on YouTube. And the way that Netflix was able to license that content from the creator of Coco Melon, Moonbug, was by allowing that show to continue to be on YouTube. And that was a big shift for Netflix, because Netflix likes to have all the shows exclusively on its own streaming platform. But over the past you know, few months, we've started to see Netflix allow for more full episodes of shows to go on YouTube. In some places, people are putting things on Roblox at the same time or before they debut on Netflix as a way to like lure the kids and say, hey, kids, come here. Come watch the rest of the show here. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shift for them. Another big problem you write for the streaming services is the time it takes to produce new shows. These kids, they you know, can lose interest. They grow up quickly and they lose interest before the new episodes can even come out. Right. So animation, that's specifically related to animation. So animated shows take, can take anywhere from two years, if not longer, to make. So what happens is, unless you decide right away, I'm going to not just create one season of the show, but I'm going to create two or three seasons of the show, it's gonna, there's going to be a huge delay between the first season and the second season. And the problem is with kids' content, as you know, kids will age out, and so they might not care about the show anymore when the second season comes out, and you have to find a new audience. That is true. Thanks, Jessica. Jessica Tunkel, Deputy Media Editor at The Wall Street Journal. Mike Gavin in for Gordon Deal, along with Nicole Murray on this Wednesday, December 27th. Here are just some of the stories we're following for you today. Israel digs in for a war they say will last for many months. U.S. officials meet with Mexico to try to stem the tide of migrants at the southern border. Police are investigating incidents involving Colorado justices after former President Trump was removed from the state's ballot. Treacherous post-holiday travel across the central U.S. Pizza Hut is laying off more than 1,200 delivery drivers in California on the eve of minimum wage increases there. And a look inside the house where Christmas never ends. That story in about 20 minutes. Well, in the game of wits between flyers and airlines this holiday season, it makes sense to wait. More now from our own Gordon Deal. We're speaking with Allison Poley, travel reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Her story is called $2,000 for Getting Bumped. How to Squeeze the Best Deal Out of Airlines. Because as you say, tis the season. It means busy. There's bumping going on. Kind of paint that picture for us. So I think we've all been at flights or been at the airport when we've heard the offer to take a different flight. And sometimes it can be tempting, but you really want to get to where you're trying to go. But if you do take that offer, you don't have to just accept it. You can negotiate it. And I think people who are flying during this extremely busy time over the holidays will be able to take advantage of this. Okay. How so? What do we do? Step one, we think, yeah, you know what? Today's the day. I'm going to take the airline offer. What do we do? So you probably shouldn't take the first offer that comes out. Usually the airlines will start very low. So $200, a few hundred dollars just to see if anybody accepts it. Then they'll raise it. At that point, you might want to start considering it or at least go over and talk to the gate agent. So people who have successfully taken these offers say you don't want to wait too long because it can go away, but you don't have to stop negotiating once you've accepted the offer. Mm, Okay, so you accept the offer and you say, oh, by the way. Here's my sob story. Uh, you you act really nicely. Uh, what, what do you do? Nice. <laughs> Always be polite and act nicely, but you can ask what else they're able to offer you. So you don't have to take the first route offer. 
that is presented to you. If there's another route that you're familiar with that you're hoping to get on, you can suggest that. So for example, they might say, oh, well, we can't get you out until later tonight um, on the next flight that goes nonstop to your destination, or maybe we can't get you out till the next day. But if you're willing to take a, a layover, let them know. You can suggest other offers, and during that time, you can also ask for other things like food vouchers, hotel vouchers, even lounge access. And they have access to all this stuff. It's just a matter of whether or not they want to give it to you. Like, how does that work? Yeah, it depends on the situation. So, for example, if you're only hanging out for an hour before your next flight, it's probably going to be tough to negotiate for all these other add-ons. But if you're staying overnight, for example, and you do need a hotel, it's completely reasonable to ask for that. I've talked to some travelers who had extremely long amounts of time before their flights, and they asked for transportation vouchers. So if they lived in cities, they could ask for an Uber or Lyft voucher so they could go home and then come back to the airport. We're speaking with Allison Poley, travel reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Her story is called $2,000 for Getting Bumped, How to Squeeze the Best Deal Out of Airlines. What are the federal guidelines here for bumping passengers? So if you accept an offer as a volunteer, there's no guidelines and the opportunities vary a lot based on the airline. But if you take if you are involuntarily bumped, so that means the airline tells you that you are not able to board the flight that you thought you were buying, you do have some rights. So for example, if you have a short delay, you'll probably receive a payment that's about double the one-way price of your original flight. Drill down on this. I book a flight and I even choose my seat. 12C. I'm on the aisle. I can get bumped because somebody else might have 12C or, or it doesn't actually work that way? It doesn't actually work that way. So a lot of times on lower cost carriers where you do not have a seat assignment, you might find yourself getting bumped. So a lot of people rightfully bristle at the idea of, oh, well, I bought this ticket. Now I have to pay for a seat assignment. But doing so can actually help you out because if you have paid for that seat assignment, you're far less likely to get bumped than someone who has not. And review those basics too. Why, why is it that uh, like an involuntary bumping would happen? A lot of times it's now due to operational issues. So sometimes airlines aren't able to get their planes where they need to be. So they might substitute a different plane. If that happens, the flight that you're on might have fewer seats than that means some people aren't going to be able to fit. So legally, the airline is supposed to ask for volunteers, but if they don't get any, that's when the involuntary bumping happens. That's Allison Poli of the Wall Street Journal with our own staycationing, Gordon Deal. Coming up next, an unwanted Christmas unboxing. You know, it's the week after Christmas. Things are a little weird here in the world of radio. There's a lot of people on vacation, the people who are here and sitting in different chairs than they normally are. But some things stay the same. And for that, it is time for the mic drop with this morning's Dom Savino. Good morning, Dom. Good morning, Mike. Thank you for allowing me this privilege to fill in on the mic drop for a couple of days. And in the vein of people in places they don't belong, I give you this scene. It's 3 o'clock on Christmas morning. You're asleep in bed when you're awoken by a voice from your living room loudly asking for a pair of scissors. That is exactly how one North Carolina couple started their Christmas. The voice was from their three-year-old son, and Scott and Katie Reinken say their toddler got a Yuletide preview by unwrapping his entire family's presents. 
The parents say the three-year-old got into everything, from the biggest box to a tiny gift with an eraser inside. Why? Well, Dad says there's a fairly innocent reason. My son's version of the events was he came downstairs and wanted to open all the presents so no one was confused and they all knew what they had gotten. That's the kid's story and he's sticking to it. For those curious, the family says they were able to repackage enough presents to stop the, quote, villain origin story for the perp siblings, crisis mostly averted. I mean, I can't imagine what would happen if this happened in my house. You know, <laughs> my kids, when they were younger, especially, you know, came downstairs and just there's wrapping paper everywhere. There's stuffs all over the place. Uh, yeah, Christmas would be ruined for a very long time to come. And apparently that was not the case for the six-year-old sibling in, in particular, who they yeah. were most concerned about. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, unbelievable. We had a rule in my house that you were not allowed to get out of bed on Christmas morning unless you saw the sun, <laughs> unless, unless there was some sort of light outside. Otherwise, you were in your bed or else, you know, Santa wouldn't come, right? <laughs> there would be no Santa if you dared to get out of your bed for any reason. I mean, I think I probably, you know, held it in a few times, didn't even use the bathroom when I needed to because I was afraid of somehow bumping into Santa or that if I got out of bed, Santa was somehow not going to come. So I, I think they need to lay down the law here. I hope that family adopts the uh, don't get up before sunup yes, uh, idea. Please do. Now, also, Mike, we're into the wild world of college football bowl season, which has grown to 82 teams. Problem is, there's only 133 teams that can qualify for the bowl games. It usually means a couple teams with losing records still make the postseason. That was the case this year for one team, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And as college football fans tuned into their bowl game yesterday, they discovered the brutally honest cable TV description of the game. It read, quote, The Golden Gophers and their good grades face a test in the quick lane bowl against the Bowling Green Falcons. The description went on to explain Minnesota qualified with a losing record because, quote, the Gophers won the tiebreaker via their academic progress rate. <laughs> yeah, the tiebreaker is good grades. College fans on social media, as you can imagine, had a field day. One fan tweeted, quote, Shout out to the Brainiacs up at U of M for giving me a game with a rooting interest at 1 p.m. on a Tuesday. Another fan posted, quote, Minnesota players did, in fact, go there to play school. And even though it wasn't a wildly successful year for the Golden Gophers, the Brainiacs did end on a high note. Minnesota beat Bowling Green in the Quick Lane Bowl, 30-24. to 24. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. You follow college a lot more closely than I do, but when's the last time you heard academics in any way mentioned around bowl season? Never. <laughs> first the first time for everything. I, I guess the kids are just happy they showed up for class. Yeah, yeah, good, good, <laughs> good for them. Congrats. Thanks very much, Dom. Gordon's off. I'm Mike Gavin. Thanks for coming by. If you're returning a Christmas gift, you better read the fine print first. The Wall Street Journal says retailers such as Amazon and Macy's have added fees or shortened the window for returning online purchases this holiday season. Some retailers this year have been cracking down after a jump in online orders during the COVID-19 pandemic led to a surge in returns. Returns are expensive for online retailers. Companies charge return fees to offset shipping and labor costs. The fees are also an attempt to reduce customer returns. Some stores that have changed their policies include Staples, which is gave nine days off of its return window. Marshalls and TJ Maxx have increased their return by mail fee. Amazon cut its holiday return window by three weeks, only taking items back that were bought, uh, bought on or after November 1st by the end of January. Here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israel's war cabinet have met to discuss a new Egyptian proposal to end the war with Hamas. Israeli officials say it is unlikely they will agree to any deal that allows Hamas to remain in Gaza after the war. Israeli officials are willing to discuss negotiations for the first stage of the plan, which calls for Hamas to release hostages in exchange for Palestinian prisoners. 
Ohio Republican Congressman Max Miller on Fox discussing the conflict. The Gazan people want to be free, but make no mistake, this ideology of Gazan civilians crossing over to commit these atrocities also has to be known to the American people. It wasn't just Hamas who participated in these attacks. It was thousands of Palestinian civilians Number two. The largest caravan in more than a year has departed from Central America and is headed for the U.S. border. The caravan, estimated at around 6,000 people, mainly consists of families and young children. National Border Patrol Office President Brandon Judd on Fox. We're being overrun by people that are that are fleeing poverty. They're not fleeing persecution. They're not fleeing poten potential torture, murder, rape. They're not fleeing all of those things that would actually qualify for asylum. They want to come here because they want to work. This news comes as President Joe Biden presses Me Mexican President Andres Obrador to impose tighter limits on migrants surging to America. American and Mexican officials are expected to meet today to discuss the matter. Number three. Southwest Airlines say they hope for a full recovery as the post-holiday travel chaos ensues. This announcement comes after Southwest canceled hundreds of flights and delayed thousands over the Christmas weekend due to fog in Chicago. And despite the full rebound, travel officials warned passengers to prepare for delays for the peak holiday travels expected Saturday and New Year's Day. Passenger Mary Cobb Whitrock told ABC her travel experience. The guy who was directing traffic told us it would be a 40-minute wait from back there to get through security. AI may be coming to a grocery store near you. Instacart has announced they are teaming up with retailers across the country to launch brand new smart shopping carts. The carts allow shoppers to scan their items directly into the cart, weigh produce, earn points for annual loyalty programs, and keep track of costs in real time. No word on when these carts are expected to hit stores. And then once they do hit, how long before it's rolled back like the self-checkout is, right? Because people are finding a way around it, sneaking stuff out of the stores. I mean, if it's so smart, can it do my grocery shopping for me? That would be really smart. That's that, what I'm hoping yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's shoot for that and forget about this self-checkout thing. Thanks very much, Nicole. Coming up next, where Christmas never ends. Well, if you stop by St. Louis resident Heather Shane's house this summer, you might at first not notice anything strange. Poke around the house, however, and you might stumble across what the 37-year-old is calling her Santa Room, which is dedicated year-round space to store and display her Christmas decorations. Fox News says the packed room, with items estimated to be worth upwards of $10,000, has more than 1,200 mugs, twinkling lights, Christmas trees, reindeer, and more. Heather said her obsession began in 2015 when she bought a few Santa mugs to celebrate the holiday, and it grew from there, and over the last eight years, she's continued buying Christmas decorations, including trees, garland, ornaments, and lights. She says she keeps the decorations up all year round with the goal of having so many Christmas-themed items that you can't see the walls of the room. You can follow her on Instagram at Mrs. Santa Claus. That'll do it for this hour. For Nicole Murray, I'm Mike Gavin. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.